days. We're just going to forget to hit record. And then we're just going to be deep in the episode. Super deep. And it's going to be like one of the best ones. It's going to be just really integrated, mindful thoughts. No pauses, no ifs, ands, uhs, likes, or buts. The whole thing's going to be flawless. And then you're going to be like, fuck. The most cohesive podcast conversation that you've ever heard. I wasn't even recording, dude. Nobody heard it. Wow. Man. That's I can't wait for that. <sighs> Me neither. Welcome back to another episode <laughs> of The Missing Wires. If you're hearing this, you'll know that the episode previously described is not this episode. We are recording. We are live. We We're are not live. <laughs> we are live. And uh, today... This one's going to be a fun one because it's definitely one that can't be tackled in uh, one hour. Like, it can't be fully, fully encompassed in an hour, you know. Not that the other topics really are, but today's topic is objectivity. Especially in our current world where it remains so hard to be objective. What comes to mind for you, Jose, when you think of whatever struggles that you might face or maybe ones that are common that you hear with like friends or family, whatever? Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is the Merriam-Webster definition of objectivity, which is the quality or character of being objective, lack of favoritism toward one side or another, Freedom from bias. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And for me, I'm not entirely objective when it comes to a lot of things. I do have favoritism and I do have a lot of biases. I think that humans are kind of created and raised with biases and it's inevitable that they're going to pour out. I think attempting to be objective can be a very good thing, but I also can't think it can be a bit unethical at times or, you know, that the world needs emotions. It needs yeah. love. It needs... I don't think it necessarily needs favoritism. Um, you know, if it's taking sides in an argument or anything like that, I think it's more about communication. Right. But objective communication, I think, is very important. And, you know, if one of my friends is going through a hard time, I do tend to look at things objectively and think about like, okay, well, what is best for this friend in this situation? And again, that's going to be skewed by my own experiences and views and biases, but I'm still trying to remain non-biased in that. I'm trying to see it like, okay, like if you do this, here's the worst thing that could happen to you. And if you do this, here's the worst thing. And like, which one of those things are you more okay with, I guess? And as far as I go, I wish I was more objective. I wish I could just be like, hey, I know this is best for you. And, you know, screw your feelings. You need to do it. But so much of the time, I'm just, I don't know, get emotional about stuff and maybe get a little bit down and then, do it anyways, um, or don't do it and feel even worse about myself. 
lately it's been like, I'm doing it anyways, you know? I'm working out today. I don't care how I feel. I'm just going, even if I don't have a great session. So, yeah, objectivity uh, in a very shallow way. That's kind of what it feels for me. It's what it means for me. What about you, Alex? Hmm. This topic, I love it because it can pertain and refer to something extremely personal or something that we all share, like something that's very, you know, out there. It can, it can refer to something political. It can refer to like, you know, whatever really, like any, any type of conversation, right? Like objectivity can be present or it can be deployed. So I think for me, like the, the objectivity stuff, like it helps with my emotions and in my own mind, like, um, I don't know, like, because if I, when I take the time to look at an emotion in an objective way, it's like I find myself less likely to spiral out with that emotion. If I, like, really kind of, like, every time that I, I feel angry, like, really quick, you know, like, something will frustrate me or, like, kind of, like, you know, like, oftentimes there's, like, very quick instances at least for me i don't know if you experience this like but usually it's a really like really quick moment that has a lot of emotional impact wrapped around it and my like sometimes my first thing will be like frustration and i like it's like that like when we've talked about this previously but that step back and like looking at yourself as this other entity you know an objective entity right like just looking at yourself objectively um, and being like, yeah, like, what is that emotion? Is, is that actually the emotion that I'm feeling or is there multiple other kind of little things wrapped up in that? And it's manifesting as, as this one thing, like, um, so it helps a lot with that for me. And then it's like, it's interesting because. I wonder about where the crossovers are with objectivity and empathy. Um, Cause it's like from an ob objective point of view, I don't know what somebody's going through, but if somebody explains something to me, like I can have empathy and then I can, I can make sense. I can like be like, Oh, okay. That's objectively understandable. Why you act that way. Now that I know the, emotion and then I I also empathize with you so it's kind of interesting where those two things kind of my over crossover and overlay but yeah and definitely with regards to like ideologies something we touched on again in, in a previous episode I think like I I try to be objective about certain certain outlooks and I think like I don't, I don't want to blame anything particularly within our culture as like the reason for this, but part of me looks to like, like memes and like 
when something becomes like a really common slogan and like it might be like kind of a joke or meme but then like it becomes almost like this part of your it like gets adopted into your belief system even if it's a joke like yolo yeah yeah <laughs> right so trying to remain objective about ideologies that get introduced to me and my own ideologies that I have, which obviously came from the environment that I was raised in, mixed with my own, my own shit. Gross. Twined, right? <laughs> we said we were going to be shoveling shit. Yeah, true. Here we are. But, yeah, it is, it is just interesting to consider, like, how many influences we have when it comes to like, oh, if we want to, if we want to attempt to do something or if we want to like talk about a specific subject and there's so much shit that I, I feel like it's, it's, it's hard to be objective when there's like connotation attached to everything. Like, and that specifically would be like, can be seen vehemently in the political and culture war mm-hmm. space. Um, so I think that's like, I mean, it's just really interesting, especially when, I mean, it might not be for, you know, when I was younger, like I didn't, I wasn't super involved or paying attention to political, politically related things mm. or ideologies or anything like that. So when I did kind of start thinking about all of that and actually tuning into some political discussions, like I found it interesting how quickly like you're able to recognize when somebody is like talking to you about a a subject, right? Like if you're watching like, kind of a politically charged video mm-hmm. or maybe it says something about a piece of news and most news nowadays tends to be politically charged in some way. Um, it's like, it's, it's hard to kind of take it in, take it all, take it all in and, and hear that some people use very like charged up rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Like people, People lean super, people lean, like lean really hard into like a triggering points. So it's like, I, there's been times where I'm like, oh man, like I get upset if I think somebody's like, somebody listened to this one thing that this one person said and it sounds like it's kind of like a toxic type of idea or something like that. And it's like, at the same time, I'm like, man, I can't be mad because of, like, the forces that are at work when it comes to, like, having an objective feeling, an objective mm-hmm. opinion. It's, like, it's really interesting, especially in a time where, like, in America, like, it, it's, like, a conversation both politically and outside of the politics, like, of, of identity and, like, us being, like, very much, like, oh, like, this is my identity and this is who I am and like, this is what I want to be. Um, 
trying to remain objective through all of that, right? And like be objective in building your identity. I was just like an in- interesting conversation with um, somebody from work actually. And he was talking about how like, it's basically this idea that, you know, if you, if you, if somebody gives you like a path and you follow along the path, okay, it's like you're following the path. But then if, if the path, if you decide to deny that path and like the path that you go on instead is a path that you've chosen in spite of this other path, like to spite this mm-hmm. other thing, you know, like, like almost to do the opposite of this path because you were so up, fed up by this path that it's almost the same thing as like following the, like just doing mm-hmm. like you're, you're still being influenced. Right. Very much so. Right. Like you're talking about Sam right now. I feel like you're talking about <laughs> Sam right now. I'm not talking about Sam. <laughs> I know. But it sounds like Sam. Yeah. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's like, that is interesting, right? It's like, mm-hmm. so it's like if there's there's ideas that I don't agree with, and so it's like, oh, man, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really fuck with that. I don't want to go over there. And it's like, well, that is also like, that's having an impact on me and like mm-hmm. what I'm doing, right? So it's like. Right. Yeah. That is uh, a solid point that I relate to on a regular basis. And I see it a lot of the time unintentionally when people disagree with something so much and they try to fight it so much that they become the thing that they disagree with. Um, To give a more concrete example, something that kind of, I guess, a controversial topic that fed me up over the last year that I can remember was... And this one comes and goes. It's the all the J.K. Rowling stuff with Harry Potter and right. and J.K. Rowling's views on trans people and and whatnot. And it came out again because of the Hogwarts game and whatnot. And I was just seeing streamers streaming this game just getting bullied, just treated like absolute garbage. Just awful, awful things being said to them. And like, there are streamers who quit streaming because of like this online bullying that was happening to them just for playing a game. It's like, that's their job. That's their bread and butter. That's how they put food on the table for themselves. Yes, some of them get way more money than they need. It's whatever. It's, you know, it doesn't matter. But when you, are you know supposedly representing a community and you want positivity and love for that community i think all communities should have you know positive love thrown towards them and they should be put it out i think that ideally is how things would work the best but it's just it becomes very hypocritical when you start treating others like crap just cuz you think that they're not supporting your community in the best way possible. And then you're doing a disservice to your community by treating another person like crap. You know, it's like, I love watching animes where there's like a clan leader or something and somebody in the clan like messes up and the clan leader is really hard on them. And like, maybe they take it too far sometimes, but I like the ones who are like really strict about it, but in like a compassionate way. And they're like, look, everything that you do reflects on me. And if you go out there and you steal something, they're not going to cut off your hand. They're going to cut off my hand. And so I need to be strict with you. 
because this is what I'm willing to do for you. And I, I like to think about all the people in my life that I want to support, whether they're trans or non-binary or gay or, I don't know, Mexican like myself, anything, doesn't matter. And I just think like, okay, if I want to represent them in the best way possible, I need to be the best possible person myself. Because it's like, someone might be looking at me and be like, oh, that person supports this person and this person and this person, but he's a total piece of shit. So I don't really care about those other people anyways. They're probably just as bad as he is, you know? And I think it's very short-sighted when, when people start getting into all of this crap and treating others poorly and not necessarily being as objective as they should be yeah. in these situations and really thinking about the bigger picture. They just get triggered by someone calling them a snowflake and it all goes downhill from there. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. There's so much there's so much emotionally charged rhetoric happening all the time. Yeah. And it's funny actually right before you came over, I just t- I was telling you I want to get a friend with uh, I want to get a beer with my friend. I want to yeah. get a friend with my beer. Yeah. Friend with your beer. Yeah. I love a good Dude, that I love a good so friend with my beer actually. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> beer is so much better with a side of friend. Um yeah. <laughs> We were having a discussion in the car, basically as he was dropping me off. Um, And we were talking about how frequent it is that no matter what subject you're talking about, and this happens within a lot of different industries, and it happens a lot within the political spectrum, um, that somebody will take a very, very, very extreme situation and then basically preface their their incoming verbal diarrhea with this extreme and then state that this extreme is the general blanket consensus of whatever the opposing faction is of whichever industry they're in that's my favorite it's so great (laughs) i love it (laughs) it's like And this is what sucks, right? Is that like when this is where I was like kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier with like really kind of regulating your ideologies and like paying attention to when like a subtle statement gets made and you're like, oh, you just like you keep going and don't kind of look at Mm -hmm. a specific statement. Right. And it's like. It's like, man, if we if, if if like you watch a fucking newsreel. Like, of some of the, like, you know, obviously there's some that, you know, don't fit this description, but there's a lot of newsreels that will just start out like that. And it's just like, boom, like this thing is happening and it's taking over. Like it's, it's running rampant. It's everywhere. This is, this is what the left are doing. And this is what the right are doing. Like, this is like all this, right? Like when it comes to the political shit, it's like. And so it's, it's interesting, like, how often that happens, how often it's just like, let's just take the most extreme thing and let's let's use that to blanket and paint everybody who could potentially sound like they might lean in that direction, like, as the same as this extreme. 
And then let's like, let's do it to such a degree that it actually becomes justifiable from a humanitarian point to like shit on them and, and like try to like be like, they should be excluded from, from certain things in society. And like, let's get them out of here. Like they should just die. Oh, if you didn't, if you didn't do this thing or if you believe this thing, you should just die off type shit. It's like, dude, what? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. That's, that's exactly, (laughs) exactly my point. You know, like what? Insane. Yeah. Like, and so it's like when you, and you, when you take the, the kind of position of the people taking an extreme and painting a whole group, right? Like mm-hmm. let's take the fucking the subject of protesting. We don't have to look at a specific protest, right? Like you don't, it doesn't even need to be a specific protest, but like just the concept of there being a protest and like, I mean, if you live in America and you don't think that protests should be allowed at all, like, I'm a little bit, I'm like interested in why you would feel that way. But it's like, there's people out there who are running people over at protests, mm-hmm. right? And that might not be super common, but there's certainly been incidents that have like, you know, gone viral on the yeah. news, right? Like where you see fucking somebody plowing through a line of protesters with their fucking car or whatever, right? Like, and it's like, I'm trying to think, you know, like if I wonder if that was a thing, rewind 20 years, was that happening? I don't know. Like, I don't remember because there because there was protests and like there's been protests for a long time. Right. And like Mm -hmm. protests, like shit's like gone down at protests, of course. Like, right. Like there's been historical injustices Mm -hmm. and also public destruction and whatnot. Right. Like. There's been historical things like that. Yeah, since the beginning of our country. Yeah. Which isn't that old. Which is not that old. Just a reminder to everybody out there in the world. Our country is not that old. We were babies. Yeah. We We were were babies. babies. (laughs) Chicken chases. Chicken chases. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, But yeah, so it's like, it's interesting to to kind of consider that, you know, it's like it, and it, like it, I was telling a friend last night, I was talking on discord and it's like something that helps me remain feeling a bit humble is like acknowledging the, the power of like the rhetoric that is being deployed. Um, when it comes to, you know, I don't want to like name it like, Oh, like a, a fight against objectivity, but mm-hmm. like, it certainly doesn't feel like objectivity's winning. <laughs> so maybe yeah. there is a fight against object- objectivity, right? Yeah. Like, um, and so it's like, it's, it's interesting to think like, man, like what, you know, these people who are mowing people down at protests, right? Like what things are, what extreme thing did they listen to mm-hmm. about said people at the protest? Or is it just somebody who's like very irrational and they're just like, this fucking people won't get out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which it could be. Cause you know, there are protests that, they go stand on a freeway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, dude just wants to get to work. Yeah. And he's pissed off. Yeah. And he hates his job. He hates his job. And there's all sorts of different circumstances. Yeah. But it's likely a male. <laughs> I think statistically, that's probably correct. Statistically speaking. Every video I've seen so far, it's been a male. It's probably an angry man. Yeah. And that's another part of the problem, yeah. you know? 
men not willing to deal with their emotions and also being taught not to be emotional. Yeah. And a lot of the times that just leads to anger. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this even goes like, I'm going to make it personal really quick and bring it back to, you know, shit we were discussing mm-hmm. a little, just a moment ago. But that like, the times where I, like I let object, objectivity win with my emotional process. Frustration is always the knee jerk. Mm-hmm. It is always like, you. it's usually the first one that comes through. Sometimes it's like, sometimes it's heavily like the hurt if it's like somebody just said something that's like blatantly like unkind to me. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's the hurt that comes through. But if it's something that's like, couldn't be construed as unkind, but if it's like, I don't quite understand why somebody said something or did something in a way, like mm-hmm. my, it's like frustration it ticks off. It yeah. happens. And then like, as soon as I get objective about it, like I dig through and find that like, no, like actually that's, it's, I'm hurt for this reason. And actually I'm hurt because I had a certain expectation about something and I didn't actually voice any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and you had your own thing going on. Yeah. Right. So like you had no idea that I was even yeah. viewing your actions from this lens that I was in emotionally. And then it's like, so then like, like just to bring it back, it's like, yeah, angry men, like if you don't deal with your emotions and if you don't take a second to be objective with your emotions, you are just angry yeah. at, at everything all the time. Everything just makes you angry. And I know people who get angry about everything, mm-hmm. like who are just constantly mad, like at the fucking world, like every little thing. I've been there. I've been mad too, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting, man. A lot of angry men out there. And I grew up with anger issues. I didn't have an easy time. And I don't think it was necessarily that there was like someone instilling that I can't show my emotions or anything like that. Yeah. I think um, there's a number of different factors. I think none of those things like ever really have to be like stated mm-hmm. you know like and i think that's i feel like this is one of the things that makes it difficult to talk about these subjects when it comes to the influences that maybe our parents have had on us or you know what gender norm influences have had right mm-hmm. just the idea of the of a social and or cultural norm and the subtle kind of nuanced messages Mm -hmm. that are wrapped up in that, that it might not be intentional. Like maybe it's not the goal of the, you know, the father to have his son be suppressing emotions when he's telling him, all right, like, like be a big boy. Like, you know, don't cry, like toughen up, you know, like, right. Like, it's like maybe in his mind he's just like he's like you know I just want I want my son to be able to like to handle the world and like to be tough and to be strong and whatnot right and like but it's like and that's all well and good but and this is something that's really interesting it's like this is something that you do in science right it's like you look you don't only look at what the intended effect is you also look at other impacts that the thing has had yeah beyond the intended impact and so it's like in that situation, yeah, I'm like, okay, 
all you're being is like, yeah, yeah, like, you know, all right, like you could, you know, toughen up, son, like you don't need to cry, blah, 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 blah. But it's like, maybe that kid is learning that it's not okay for him to cry. Like mm -hmm. maybe he's like, oh, like it's not, it's, I shouldn't be crying. I shouldn't be crying at all. And then you get men who just end up like having not cried yeah. for a long period of time. Yeah. Right. Like it's like not necessarily that that is the specific root of that manifestation, mm -hmm. but just a fucking anecdotal example. So. It's very interesting. Yeah, I started crying a lot in my early teens, and that's around the same time that I started watching anime as well. So it, it adds up. Dude, an yeah. I, if you watch anime without crying, it's like, what's going on there? You dude? know that you need to dig deeper. You got to get way you know, deeper. You got to work on yourself. Yeah. I, <laughs> so many animes make me cry. <laughs> it's fucking like, <laughs> like, it's fucking funny. But honestly, like, that's also just me with like, like movies, mm -hmm. shows, like, I mean, anime is especially amazing, mm -hmm. but like the amount of times, like I'm just watching a movie or watching a show or something, um, or even like a fucking song, you know, like I think a while ago I sent you a song um, from an artist, Kimya Dawson, mm -hmm. um, who did all the music for Juno, the movie, yes. um, or not all of it, but a lot, a lot of the music in Juno was from Kimya Dawson. Um, and she has a song called Walk Like Thunder. And it's like fucking 10 or 13 minutes or something. It's really long. Mm -hmm. And I cannot listen to that song without fucking crying. Like every single time I listen to that song, like even thinking about that song, I'm like my fucking yeah. eyes are starting to feel a little like, I'm just like, damn. Like, so that's also just like, it's also just me. I feel, you know, it's like how I'll just... Shows and movies just fuck me up, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so funny. I have, like, memories from being little. Like, um, my parents, we'd be, like, watching a movie, you know, as a family. And, like, my mom would, like, my mom would always be crying during movies, you know? And, like, but she would, she would like, be crying. And then she would, like, look at me and start laughing and be, like, stupid <laughs> movies. <laughs> <laughs> trying to, like, cover it up. Awesome. No, like, not really trying to cover it up. More just, like, being, like... Uh, like embracing the, okay. the emotional waves that yeah. the movie has invoked, but like, but also just being like, this damn movie yeah. gets me all crying, you know, like just makes me That's cry funny. every time. <laughs> yeah, it was always really funny. I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, for, I think for a while she just like started referring to any movie that made her cry as stupid movies. Stupid movies. Yeah, she's, but you know, she's like, I love stupid movies. Stupid movies. <laughs> These stupid she movies. She loves watching movies that make her cry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, fuck, man, maybe that's me too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, I mean, it is interesting. So, and our parents, you know, that's another influence, right? Like, our parents. Mm -hmm. Right. That's like, I mean, if you're taught objectivity as a child in some way, you're blessed. Mm -hmm. Like, that's sick as hell. Like, because that shit, like, I, I have memories of my mom, like, telling me to question everything. Mm -hmm. Even, like, her. Yeah. Like. It's important. Yeah. And it was like, 
that shit led me on such a like interesting mind path like when it come when it came to just learning about the world mm-hmm. learning about everything and like and just also like the encouragement to question just to like seek mm-hmm. knowledge yeah right like that encouragement was fucking was huge for me and thankfully like for me looking back like there's not a lot of shit that was bestowed in me that i like i can look back and be like objectively like that's like you know i don't agree with now or wrong or like that i've had to leave behind or whatnot right like taking an objective look at things that were instilled in me it's like oh okay word i'm thankful there was some there was some solid shit instilled in me Mm -hmm. um but that being said you know it's like there's still like plenty of areas where you know, either I grew in certain ways and I wasn't being objective about it. Um, I mean, for me, for me personally, I definitely think like part of me, like, like I leaned really heavy into weed when I first started smoking weed. It doesn't sound like you. I know. It doesn't sound like me, but it's true. <laughs> um, no, I, I leaned really heavily into weed and I, part of it was like, me just being like wow this is fucking sick i love weed like I can't, I can't i can't lie about that fact like when my when my mom approached me about this i was just like she was like is there something going on is it because it's because we're having troubles is it because <laughs> you know like it's like like you can talk to us tell me you know and like and like i i found it like I'm sure there was some emotional stuff that I might not have been tending to, right? I was 14, probably didn't have the emotional tur- maturity to fully, like, um, analyze everything that was happening within the home life. Yeah, and you know, make sure that that stuff wasn't like driving me. But that being said, outside of those things, regard and regardless of those things, I had a in- very intense curiosity when it came to substances um, and altering of my conscious state, like. Extremely intense. As soon as, especially as soon as I learned that, like, there was substances out there that, like, weren't necessarily super duper dangerous to partake in, right? Like, I mean, you could argue that any substance is dangerous to partake in because you never know how you're going to react. Everybody reacts different to every substance. Like, yeah. a little bit of a substance might make you feel fucking terrible. So, but that being said, it's like, I think part of my, like, leaning heavily into it was at some point I felt like like this and maybe a lot of people experienced this but it was like I felt like I came from this childhood where any little bit that I heard about drugs was just like drugs are bad but then also my dad drinks beers like every night pretty much so you start questioning like yeah like you know so it's like and, you know, and, and you see people, people have coffee every morning and people talk about being addicted to drugs. And then it's like a common, a super common joke to be like, don't talk to me until I have my coffee. Like, like, don't even like, get, like you know, and like, there's like, it's like kind of a meme, but it's like some people be like, get yeah. the fuck out of my face until yeah. I've had my coffee. Like, yeah. Right. Like, um, and so it's like, it was really interesting. I think like having going from that. And then, and then just like really gaining, I guess, like some type of 
like coming into my own, you know, like mm-hmm. becoming conscious, I guess. Like, not that I wasn't conscious before then, but like, I don't even know what you would call it. Like, right. Like, what do you call the shift when you like, cause it, it's not like a specific age or a specific place. Right. It's, and I think different people have it at different points and, and maybe some people don't have it for like actually a really long time. Like, I, I think for some people, it's not even actually a coming of age ever. related. It's, it's not even ever. Some people, some it might people. not be ever. Like. Which makes me sad. But yeah. just like when you, when you have this shift from like, you are just being, imp- like, you're just receiving input. And it's like, because, because when you start out, you, you have such little understanding, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have, you know, like we don't have a categorizing system defaulted like we got to be explained what everything is how mm. everything works how we should behave and what's good and what's bad etc and so it's interesting consider all that i don't know what i would call it specifically yeah like like the shedding of or like not necessarily shedding anything but like it's like instead of yeah. only being the input yeah. It's like suddenly you're like, wait, I'm thinking about this input actually. Mm-hmm. And actually now I'm looking back at all the input I've ever received. And I'm also looking at that objectively. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like in a way to deny it all, but just to objectively check in and be like, what were the things that were instilled in me? Mm-hmm. What was all that? Yeah. I look at that. I've been looking at that more recently myself too. And I've got, I have great talks with my mom. And you've met my mom. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. And hi, Maria. Hi, Maria. <laughs> and, uh, just for reference, my sisters and I often call my mother Maria. Mm. Uh, it started when we were catering. We were younger and we weren't like old enough to like be working at a professional level. We were just, I don't know, young kids. And bunch of little shits. Yeah, everybody called her Maria. <laughs> and so yeah. we were young enough to be like hearing people call her Maria all the time. And I think it was my oldest sister, Natalia. She started calling Maria Maria while yeah. we were catering. And my mom didn't like stop her or anything because it was like it, it actually seemed more professional right. rather than you know, kids running around, mom, mommy, mom. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. Hi Maria. But we were talking the other day and, and it just, it it really does become clear of like how much was actually just instilled through my mom. And granted, obviously like I'm, I'm parts of my dad too, but He's never really been there as much on that like emotional level and like actually having conversations um, that kind of delve into the spirit or, you know, asking questions and stuff like that. And it's cool with my mom because unlike a lot of people's parents that I know, my mom really opens up about a lot of things and she's willing to learn more and grow more herself and just have an open mind about stuff. Like, uh, like you were saying, how you were with, you know, substances and stuff. Like I have always loved the smell of weed personally. Like it's just a fantastic smell. I know some people hate it and I feel bad for them, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, but I didn't want to smoke it for the longest time. Like I love smelling it, but I just, I, you know, was kind of gr- grown up with this like thing of like, Oh, like, 
all drugs are bad and weed is a drug, so it must be bad. Yeah. And just thinking that, you know, it's going to make me an idiot or something or, you know, lead me to do other dumb drugs and dumb stuff. And so I did a bunch of research and that's what I do with that type of stuff. It's just like, well, if I, if I love the smell of it and all my friends are doing it, I'm going to have to do a bunch of research to convince myself that I'm going to smoke weed. <laughs> and so I did. And like, I, I, I can't remember, but I might've even started trying to grow it before I ever smoked it. Yeah. I don't even know. It, it, it was shortly after or shortly before. Um, but I was like looking through different medits, uh, medicinal papers and stuff that had been written. And I'm lucky to have, grown up with a computer and like had access to no kidding. my own research because um, I hated going to school. Absolutely hated it. I just wanted to like research all my own stuff because I didn't care about the stuff at school. And so finally I got to this point where like I had done enough research and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go smoke weed now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. But like everybody had been trying to get me to smoke for the longest time. And so it was like a big, like people had been offered me money to smoke weed and like, it's just like, why do you want me to smoke weed so bad in the first place? Also, I know plenty of people who would like give their left fingernail on their, I don't know, <laughs> one of their fingers, one of their left hand finger fingernails for like someone to pay them to smoke weed. You know, it's like, cool, yeah, I can get money and you can get me stoned at the same time. Yeah, Let's go for it. But yeah, eventually I did smoke and then I grew some pot and then I came to my mother with all of my findings. And I was like, here's some research papers. Here's what weed does for people. Here are the possibilities. Here are things that, like, really don't make sense on why it's illegal in the first place. Like, it's yeah. kind of a lot of racist stuff that happened in our country and a bunch of propaganda and a bunch of money-changing hands. All the classic, classic American, I don't know. It's a good old America. Yeah, good old America. Uh not really. It was terrible and it's fucked up and they put a lot of uh, minorities in jail over weed and dumb shit like that. Yeah, there's and, still people in jail. Over yep, weed. there are still people in jail over weed and I apologize for that as being a person in this country who hasn't changed that yet. And it's just so stupid. And so I'm showing all this research to my mom and she's like, you know, maybe not fully on board at first, but she loves her kids and she wants to listen to them and give them the benefit of the doubt. And so then eventually she's like totally cool with it and she doesn't understand why everybody has a problem with weed. And like, meanwhile, all her brothers and sisters have problems with weed. Well, maybe not all of them because some of them smoked a bunch throughout their whole life anyways. But that's the thing, man. It's like my mom was raised in a very strict home. Um, Maybe not in certain ways, but in a lot of ways, especially in comparison to my own upbringing. And for her to be as open and loving as she is, is really amazing. And I do think that she has put a lot of self-awareness and objectivity in her path to look at things like, okay, how can I objectively do the most for my family. Like a lot of the times it's not even about herself. It's like her family and it's helped us all out to a huge degree and kind of aligns with like a lot of the stuff that I feel like you've been saying where it's like, 
I can recognize the the objectivity in in my mother and like how that's kind of worked for her and and maybe even so, how she's gotten some of that in her strict home ironically enough cuz I think her, my grandpa was a little bit more of the open one and he did a lot of research and he was a scientist and all sorts of stuff fuck yeah so yeah I just went off the rails about my mom. I'm so sorry, Alex. No, no, no. It's we were we were on that path of uh, talking about parents and uh, yeah, and trying to remain objective. Yeah, it is interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny too. Like on something that we talked about at a different time, but the, you know, like the, the person who decides or, or listens to the naysayers hey. who are like, yeah, nah, you can't do it, you know, like, or it's not going to be very likely. Um, I remember specifically like having a conversation with somebody who was really into graphic design, like, fucking dude like his like he like his eyes like lit up every time that he would like talk about designing something or like what he was doing in class and like whatever um and that's i'd be like getting hyped like i'd be like oh shit like hell yeah cool man like tell me more tell me more you know like awesome awesome and then like he was doing this for like a while like years like and then i'm having a conversation with him one night and i was like yeah man so like uh you know when we were in high school and so I was like, I was kind of asking him, like, I was like, do you think you're going to like try to do something with graphic design? Like, you know, like, you know, either, either go to school or just straight up, just, you know, try to do your own thing with graphic design. Like, you know, like, and he's like, yeah, no, nah, I, I think that'd be really dope, but it's just like not, it's not, not like a guaranteed path. So I'm actually going to business school. And I was like what not that business school is bad i mean fuck like by all means go to business school yeah but like i was like man i'm like i don't know if somebody told you this or you convinced yourself or if you maybe like maybe some people think like objectively that that's the right path mm -hmm. like and i guess it depends on what you want right like it does but it still feels like you're watching a star fall out of the sky. Yeah. But in like a really sad way, not in like I'm, a, not, I'm making a wish way. No, yeah. not like that. Yeah. In like a really sad way. It's like a wish is getting taken away. Yeah. Type of way. Yeah. It's like a life is getting snuffed out. Yeah. It's like, man, like, and especially it's funny because it's always on the like, like safety thing. And like, not that like, right. I'm not against safety. Like, yeah, being safe is awesome, but it's interesting. And like, when we have like uh, already, like so much of our safety concerns are taken care of. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> no, that's just <laughs> uh, back in my day. A safety break was smoking weed. 
Oh, yeah. So that's why I was kind of laughing and making oh, gestures. I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting. So I think, like, I mean, even on that front, you know, if you're, if you want to take the route that, I mean, I don't even know, like, what we're talking about when we say safe. You know, it's like marijuana. Marijuana. <laughs> marijuana. Is not safe. Okay, I think we both were on two different definitions right now. We need to... Alex, what is your definition of safe? Uh, feeling like I'm not in danger. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I haven't heard that before. Um, for me, safe is... Going to the park when it's raining, like a lot of rain, and you find like one spot in the middle of the forest that has like a nice canopy of trees and there's like a dry spot and you just like sit down and hang out and listen to the rain. That's safe. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's interesting how, like, being safe is awesome, mm -hmm. but, like, it's also interesting how we use the the idea or the prospect of safety to influence somebody mm -hmm. and their choices. Mm -hmm. And that happens in a bunch of different areas. Yeah. So then I think, like, you know, where this comes full circle is to then if someone's told you that this is what you need to do because it's safe or it's the safer route or it's the safer option like or if you don't do this you won't be safe deploying objectivity right then mm -hmm. and being like well what what exactly are they talking about by safe yeah what are the right? rates of suicide for People that chased safe careers versus people that followed their passions. Yeah. You yeah. know? And then you got to add that to the safety numbers. Yeah. And it's also kind of interesting to consider that with how rapidly the world is kind of progressing and how technological advancement is getting faster, right? Like where the, it's like the curve is speeding up mm -hmm. essentially. So, you know, it's like for a long time, coal miners were a thing mm -hmm. and then once that became not a thing it was like oh oh no what are we going to do mm -hmm. like right there's there's a ton of industries that exist that at some point are probably not going to look anything like they do right now and yeah. or might just be rendered obsolete yeah absolutely so it is interesting to be like oh like the safe route like when sometimes that that might not be the safe route, like right, like you pick a fucking career and whatever, and then the industry is dissolved because it's taken over by AI. Yeah, <laughs> happening <something>. already, dude. <laughs> happening already. Yeah, and like I don't know, it's it's interesting. I mean, like when we think about safety, like what like what is the safest 
route of all, right? Like in in life. I mean, mm-hmm. like like from the get go. Like, what the fuck is? What is that? Like, what are we? What's the safest route? If we wanted to be the safest, if we want to take the safest route, we'd never leave our fucking houses. <laughs> True. Yeah, it is weird that people kind of equate all of these career paths to a level of safety and and maybe even not safety, but like stability. I feel like a lot of a lot of people are looking at like objectively what is the best way to min-max my stability mm. while not having to risk too much or yeah. be too uncomfortable. Right. You know, there's going to be a few years of hard studying. It's going to be a few years of working my way up the ladder at work. Right. But overall, my stability should be pretty guaranteed. Should be taken care of. And it oh. is a weird way of looking at things because for me, it's always about like how much do I care about this? How much does it mean to me on a ethical level and a personal growth level and a can I live with myself at the end of the day level? Yeah, yeah, right? It's like, what are you, what are you protecting? Mm -hmm. Like, right, like, what is that stability and safety? Like, what, what are you left with Mm -hmm. if, if, if you sacrifice a ton, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and like, sure, there's some, some people find paths where like they don't have to sacrifice very much and they gain that safety and stability and they're able to yeah. um, fulfill themselves mm-hmm. outside of that, that little thing that they've got. Yeah. Um, but not everybody. Yeah. There's a lot of trust funds out there. Yeah. I've seen a lot of them. They're pretty impressive. And I'm not legally allowed to discuss a lot of that further, but <laughs> there are a lot of trust funds out there, let me yeah. tell you. So it's like, it is interesting though to see some of those people who, like I already know behind the scenes that this kid is set up for life. He's like 16, but he's super stoked on something and he's just going for it. And it kind of like, when I was dealing with all these accounts and stuff, it got me thinking, I'm like, wow, like, this kid has never been held back by, like, 90% of the stuff that I worried about on a regular basis growing up. Like, you know, my parents did not have a ton of money, and my biggest concern one year was, like, getting a scooter. Like, I really wanted a scooter, all my cool friends had scooters and like they're so cool. I just wanted I just wanted a scooter, man. Yeah. And my parents worked really hard and they surprised me with a scooter. It wasn't a razor scooter. It wasn't like the name brand. Yeah. But it was a scooter and I was super stoked on it. And then I think about some of these trust fund kids and I've got nothing against them. I think it's awesome that they're set up like good for them, you know. Yeah. And good for their parents like starting a trust once they... And, and you know, there are people who have just been handed a bunch of money for no reason and not really taught what to do with it, but there are a lot of people out there who are, like, working their asses off for 40 or 50 years and saving up their retirement funds and starting trusts and doing stuff like that, and then their kids are, like, set up 
But yeah. this kid is just just stoked on whatever it was, like some farming program or who knows. Um, and he just, he wasn't stopped by anything. And he, I don't even think he knew that he had a bunch of money coming to him hmm. or anything like that. But the, all of the, the heartfelt passions were there, you know? And it's like, I just wonder like, you know, what would my life look like if, if I never had to worry about any of this other stuff, mm. like, would I have, like, been a lot further with my own creative goals mm -hmm. and my own passions? And, like, would I have wasted, like, four years of my life just smoking weed and drinking? Or, I don't know. Mm. Something to think about. <clears throat> I agree, yeah. Especially because there's so many cool things to do out there. Yeah. <clears throat> a little yeah. bit too much. Yeah, right. And it it seems like it's not necessarily always true, right? Like I said, for me, I I had a lot of interest in in just changing my uh my state of perception mm -hmm. with drugs. I found that fascinating. Like as soon as I really started to like learn about it a little bit more and like reading about mushrooms, reading about people's experiences with weed, and kind of contrasting that with what I had heard about weed previously through all the years, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was very curious. I found myself being like, oh, hey, there's a muscle relaxer in my cabinet downstairs. Like, what's that do? <laughs> <laughs> it relaxes your muscles, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, it's called a yoga pill. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, <clears throat> it is interesting, right? Like, there was that, but then there's also an overwhelming sense that a lot of people might feel that people use drugs because life is hard and certain things in society suck and or maybe because 80% of people are working in a job that they don't give a shit about. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't like to make like huge blanket statements or like that. I don't know. You know, yeah, we'll say 90. <laughs> <laughs> Better. Way better. Uh, um, but it is interesting to consider. That's something I really like to ask people all the time. It's just, what would you be doing if money wasn't a concern? Yeah. Like, and, it's, and not as in like, money didn't exist, mm. but like, let's say you had a bunch of money, what would you be doing with your time, with your life? I actually was asking somebody at work the other day mm -hmm. and I think at one point he was like, he's like, man, I don't know because he's like me getting a job helped me because I was just doing fucking nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I mean, I think it's interesting. I, th I think we don't, there's not a lot of, uh, we, we like grow up learning to kind of praise our free time without like getting very many tools to learn how to like manage free time mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Oh yeah. And especially in a, in a world where like, I think we're, you know, like 
we're getting more free time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's only going to continue to be true, especially if the ideologies of like, oh, let's like fuck the 40 hour work week. Like yeah. they've got 35 hour work weeks over there. Like, mm-hmm. let's do that. Actually, wait, they've got 30 hour work weeks. Like, what if, what if we do that? Right. Like <clears throat> if the conversation keeps changing like that, like, and then maybe even bring in the conversation of universal income. Yeah. Like a baseline income. UBI. Like, yeah. And then. <clears throat> but then it's like, what are people going to be doing with like this more, the more free time that we have? Like, be interesting. I think that's a good point. And I think that's why we're here, Alex. Have free time? No, that's why we're doing a podcast. Oh, we're doing a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, It's like we're, I feel like I'm here doing this podcast um, for a variety of reasons, right? And one of those reasons kind of just hit me. It's like, okay, well, I feel like the question you're asking right now is definitely something I've thought about. And if I'm working less, like, what am I doing? And really the answer is, is that I want to work more. And it's not that I want to work more for a job for somebody else, furthering someone else's assets. I don't want to work more at Roundtable. I wouldn't be able to if I wanted to. I got fired from there. (laughs) I want to work for myself. I want to work on myself and for myself. Yeah. And that can be hobbies. It can be creative outlets. It can be actual work in a business, whatever it might be. It really depends on your definition of work, I suppose. Because growing up, I always thought work was like, you know, manual labor. Like that's working, (laughs) you know? Or like, you know, sitting in an office, whatever. Whatever it might be. And these days I consider work anything... I don't even want to say productive because like it doesn't necessarily have to be productive. But I guess in my vision for myself... um, it would be anything that I can productively do to further myself or further something that I'm interested in. Mm. And even if it's researching something for the podcast, I would consider that working. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think work itself needs to have a negative connotation. I think that there are a lot of bad jobs out there. Yeah. But work, I think, is good for people in general. You need to have something to do with your free time. And the more that you don't have anything to do with your free time, the more that your free time is filled up with distractions like social media and video games. It's funny, actually, quick off-topic tangent. Um, I hope Zach doesn't mind me name-dropping him, but uh, Zach texted me last night and he's like, I just deleted every game off my PC. What? And that's that's crazy. That's yeah. hype though. And um, what did I say back to him? Let me find it real quick. Uh, it was funny. We ended up talking for a bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just installed every game on my PC. Uninstalled every game on my PC. I said, you jump, I jump. I'll do the same. Bros support bros. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so I need to go. I haven't. I was working on music today on my PC, and I, I didn't even think about it. But I need to go uninstall all my games. Yeah, but it's like 
you know, the more free time that I'm using on video games is less time that I'm working on myself and things that I want to do yeah. with my life and things that I want to be objective about. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, the connotations around work, mm-hmm. the word even, just, you know, just work. Yeah. Um, I... I kind of had moments in my life where I looked at the word retirement and our idea of retiring and began to just kind of become like disgusted in a way. Like I was like, what the fuck is this model (laughs) of just like, hell yeah, let's slave away for 45 years or 60 years or 25 years, depending on what thing you're in. Um, let's just slave away for this amount of time. And then when it's all said and done, we can do nothing. And I know some people don't do nothing. Some people go and do stuff. Mm-hmm. But some people do f- fuck all. Like, And it's really interesting if in the culture, if none of the work that the majority has to partake in as a part of their necessity to survive... Right. Minimum wage jobs, all that jazz, just having a job in general. If none of that stuff is at all, if there's no positives and you get home and all you have to say is like kind of bad things about your job or the workplace, or maybe you don't even say anything bad about it. You're just like relieved to be home and you're like, good God, I'm glad to be back home. Like... And then you're like, man, yeah, oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. And like, you can clearly see, right? Like, and your kid clearly can see that that's not a good emotion that you're mm-hmm. like, that you've got towards this thing that you're doing all the time. Um, and then, so then it, it just becomes a glorification of the outside of work, the not the non-work, mm-hmm. no, the no work, you know, it's like, it becomes this time of like, oh, wow, this this time, this segment of time, when I am not, quote unquote, working, and we, we've linked the word working with just a job, mm-hmm. right? Which is the problem, right? Like you're saying, I think work is definitely related to much more than just your employment, mm-hmm. right? Like doing work is fully wrapped in self-development and, and anything that you want to accomplish in life takes work. Um. So it is interesting to have whether they're not whether they're explicitly stated as negative or it's a undertone of mm-hmm. negativity surrounding the subject of work. It's interesting to be in that in that society and to be in a culture where it's like the 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 non-work time is the best time. It's the it's my favorite time. It's when I can fucking I can do whatever I want. I can mm-hmm. I can play games, I can pursue the art, I can like I can do things that I actually care about. That are actually fulfilling to me. Mm-hmm. Like, but then you go and do that stuff, and it's like, wait, that stuff takes work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I don't want to do work. Yeah. You know, it's like we this like fucking idea of like putting a lot of yourself into something. I think it gets a little bit twisted sometimes, and we don't we don't quite recognize like it's not it's not rampantly, you know everywhere that it's like hey actually putting a lot of work into something feels good and like it, it can pr- um, provide you with something mm-hmm. 
a type of fulfillment that you you don't get from really half-assing something. Yeah. So. Yeah. It is interesting. Makes me think of a lot of, I mean, a lot of what we've already talked about in our podcast so far. You know, it's it's taking a step every day. It's looking at things through a perspective of, you know, it's not talent, it's hard work. You know, that just, it's not work, it's the job. And different things like that. Yeah. Specifically on the talent thing, it's it's what I mean is when someone says, "Oh, you're so talented," after you've worked really fucking hard, you're so on lucky. Something. Like, I wish I could do that. It's like, yeah, but I worked really hard on this. Yeah. I spent a thousand hours practicing this, and yeah. then I spent a hundred hours on just this one piece. Yeah, and it's like it's not. Like maybe there's a little bit of talent there, but like when I started, I was garbage. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like I worked really hard for this, and it, and you know, it's kind of. Ever since someone told me that, I try to make a conscious effort to like never tell someone that they're talented. Mm. I always try to recognize their hard work yeah. and be it's like, worked. "Hey, you should be really proud of yourself. Like this is awesome, and I can see the amount of hours and hard work that you've put into this, and that's yeah. really cool." Like, like if somebody tells that to me, it like goes so much further than being like, "Oh, you're really talented." Yeah, and and I have no problem with somebody telling me that I'm talented. You know, I'll blush and I'll wave my hand at them. And yeah, you know, all that stuff. Like, it's still like I don't care if somebody wants to say that. that yeah. it, it does still mean something to me. But when I'm talking to other people, you know, it's like a whole thing. And I don't know. Um, it does make me think about like what I want to talk about next week too. Um, I was thinking about everything we've been discussing right now and kind of how it paves a nice path forward into how everything requires a sacrifice. A goat or a sheep um, or a cat even. Don't sacrifice your cat. <laughs> no, don't sacrifice your animals. Um Unless they're going to die anyways. That's like, an outdated practice. You know, like uh, if they're terminally ill or something. We just had to put down my cat not too long ago. It was really sad, but he was 16 years old. It's okay. And um, we missed a great opportunity to sacrifice him. Damn. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> sacrificing video games, sacrificing whatever it is you might need to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice something to attain something else. Yeah. 100% of the time. Yeah. And that includes time. Absolutely. Yeah. Time, energy, anything. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. And then that's interesting. So that'll be, uh, that'll be next week. What are we, what are we actually willing to sacrifice? I think like mm -hmm. it's an interesting topic because there's tons of things that I want in life and there's tons of things that I know plenty of people want in mm -hmm. life we have we are all multifaceted with plenty of desires and uh dreams of achieving yeah so it is a juicy topic to consider when it comes down to what are we actually willing to give up are you willing to give up 20 minutes of your day every day 20 minutes out of every day to achieve a goal it's oh, a long time it's a long time it's a long time goes by quick though yeah so it's interesting. We'll get into it next week. Yeah. Today, you can ask yourself, 
what you would do if you had a bunch of money, if money wasn't an issue. What would you really want to be doing right now? I think that's a good question that you asked earlier, Alex. What would you make of your life? What would you build? Yeah. But don't dwell on it too long. You got to still put in the work. Have fun. Peace. Peace.